Welcome to Slacker Motor Radio with Brad and Addison. Based out of the Pacific Northwest, we're talking motorcycles in the motorcycle community, and we're excited to have this hour with you. Here we go. Hey, Brad, how you doing today? I'm doing great. How's that? You're doing great. Frosted Flakes, great? Yes. Nice. Yes. T I double G er. Yeah, it's a different thing. Oh. So no, I'm good too. I'm good too. Doing fun uh, over the last week? Yeah. Spent a little bit of time working on the Xterra, getting a little bit closer with that. So uh, that's feeling pretty good. Realized that the head bolts that I ordered was only enough for one head. And Half the kit. Half a kit. I mean, it was a whole kit, to be fair. But why would you sell it for only one head's worth of bolts? So I was a little frustrated. These are not something that are readily available, at least the same brand. So I could have chosen a different brand and probably got a whole other set. But at that point, I can't return it because I've opened the box. So anyway, uh, it's going together really well. Just making sure everything's kind of cleaned up. I want to put it together and, uh, and have pride and how everything is done and how it looks and sure it doesn't have to be super clean and and i'm not taking it to that level but uh, i did spend a little bit of time saturday getting it ready and uh, thursday i'll receive some some more bolts and be able to start the head and intake uh, bolt sequence so that's a 14 step process per the uh, oem service manual so step one is just admitting you have a problem right yeah, step two is uh, telling others that you have a problem. All right. Yeah. 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 It's a 14-step process. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Eventually, I think you actually grab a torque wrench, but I'm not sure if that's okay. eight or nine. Torque wrench. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Good. And you're going to use one, right? We'll get into more of that later, but... Are we? Oh, torque wrenches will come up. I guarantee it. They better. They better. Our topic of the week. Ooh. But, uh, good. Do you torque have a torque to angle wrench? Do you need wrenches? one? I have a couple. I assumed you did. Yeah, I don't have a torque to angle. I don't either. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, that was kind of my weekend. Had a good time with the family. That was about it. So I was just happy to get a little bit further on the Xterra. And what about yourself? Did you have a good weekend? I did. It was good. I ended up uh, getting a good ride in last week. Ooh. Rode into work, and then uh, a couple of us, Dave and, and Daryl, went for a, a good ride. And what did you lunch. ride? Uh, the... Uh, the chicken wing. Okay. That yeah. was a, there was a hesitation there. I'm a little yeah, concerned. Yeah, it's still new. It's still new and fresh, and I got to remember. Okay. I was surprised you didn't take the, the opportunity to uh, throw that out immediately. I've gotten pretty good response about that. On oh, really? On a side note. Yeah. Okay. A couple people have mentioned they like the idea. Uh, I think it works. The more I've thought about it. The idea it, of naming a bike or? Of the chicken wing for that bike. The idea of it. In fact, got a couple of... Uh, of decal options sent to me, so or ideas. Let's not say options. Ideas, because it was very much rough sketches. Nothing you could make a decal out of. On a tangent, have you ever been looking on OfferUp or something like that, and somebody has drawn a picture of what they have for sale? No, that's new. I have seen it multiple times. I'm sorry. I'm just oh. very rough. It's well, going, why did you draw a picture of a trailer or a motorcycle? The camera they use to take they're, a picture no, of the drawing didn't work to take a picture. They're at work or they're at school, and they take a picture of the ground, and then they use the skit. I'm just telling you. It surprises me. I'm blown away, but whatever. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, that's so you've got some entries or potential ideas for your 
decal that you're going to yeah, put on the, the on the bike for actually naming the bike officially with a, with a name printed onto it. But uh, anyway, yeah, it went for a good ride. Ended up going uh, looping around some of the old highway and kind of that area up by Corbett, up by Corbett. Yep, in Oregon there, and it was good. I, you know, had the uh, the RZ350 in front, and I was chasing that with the 500 behind, the CB500 behind me. You told me a little bit about this. Sounds like you were pushing that uh, chicken wing pretty hard. Yeah, I was, you know, I can't can't let the RZ350 beat me. It's got 150 cc's less. Yeah, it's so, quite uh, a different bike. But it is. That, that two-stroke's a whole different beast. But yeah, you know, from from the stop, it was it was a lot of revving it out to, to keep up. But uh, once we were rolling, it, it does pretty well. Once you keep it in the high RPMs, that, that bike moves. Now, so. Noisy Dave was on what? He was on his, uh, what is it, CB350, right? CBX, CB350, or sorry, CB500X. Thank you. I was going to say, I thought it was a 500. Yeah, so it's a similar bike. Um, I would say at different moments, our bikes are very similarly powered. Um, Sure. At high RPM, I think I can can pull away, but at low RPM, he's got more torque, so. Now, I know that he's been looking for another bike, and hopefully we can get him on here someday to talk about it, but he's put a lot of miles on that. Uh, yes. 500 that he has. He does a lot it seems of solo like it's been rides. really good. Yeah, yeah, does a lot of solo rides. He'll go all over. I think. I mean, I was talking to him last week, and basically, he's done everything in the Pacific Northwest that he can get to to and back in a day. Yeah, he's pretty much out of day trip. Anything new for day trip routes from mm-hmm. from his home. So, um, yeah, he's he puts a lot of miles, especially day trips or, or little weekend jaunts. He'll do a lot of that. Yeah, I know he really likes going down uh, Ripple Brook to Detroit Lake. He's mentioned that yep. in the past, and there's some other ones for sure. So, very cool. Yeah, we went to Mount Angel with him last year. Mm-hmm. Um, we did, yeah. We did a big loop uh, around Silver Falls and Mount Angel, saw the, the Museum of Death. <laughs> very interesting for those who have never been there. I'm I'm sure it's not called the Museum of Death, but... but... Forever will be in my head and hopefully both of yours now. <laughs> no, yes. <laughs> The, the the museum of what? The, yeah, a lovely room of death. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you, Ace. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> but it's uh, that's a good ride we did. You know, kind of came back not necessarily freeway, but back roads enough that it wasn't necessarily twisties. But anyway, um, so you got to go out on this ride. Yeah, got out, got a good yeah. good you know hour. I would say spirited ride. I mean, it was you know. A thousand RPM up to almost red line, if not red line, a couple times. Yeah. So hit the rev limiter for the first time. Forgot to shift. Well, I didn't forget. It was just ran it out hard enough that, mm-hmm. oh, look at that. I, sh- I should click it up a gear. I usually will less spiritedly run it, which is, I mean, that's awesome. You know, an 82 that you can run hard like that and keep up with the boys. It's, it's just mm-hmm. a good bike. Okay. The more, the harder I rip that bike, I'm sure it's not good for the bike. Although with the stroke and and bore that it has, it's really it can't be that bad for the I bike. I think you're okay. They push it's a that real bike light piston. Yeah. limits. It's a light piston with a, a small stroke, so there's not a lot of lot of impact forces on there. But uh, yeah, the more the harder I run it, or the higher RPMs I get comfortable running it at, the better that thing runs, man. It's okay. it's a lot of fun. That's cool. I'm glad you're really enjoying. Once it. Once you're five k and up, man, that thing just keeps pulling. Now, does that get you even more excited for the Gladiator? Yeah. So it does, and that's, I guess, the second part of my weekend is I spent some good time. It's on Instagram if anybody wants to see it, but I got the hoop that I kind of fabbed up. I've got it all fit up and, and prepped for weld, uh, so the rear subframe, which will be a welded full frame, but the rear frame on the the Gladiator build is is all set up on the bike. I've had to, I mean, I even, with a rubber mallet, was able to 
get it. I mean, it took a little bit of work to get it there, so it ain't going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Once it's welded, it'll be more than permanent. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then I'll get just a little bracing on it, and uh, that'll be ready for... So how much more are you going to do? I was thinking about that, and I kind of gave you a hard time. Well, I wasn't giving you a hard time. I was just getting excited for you, saying you need to make it permanent, right? But it, when you sent me some photos over the weekend, are, is there any intent to mock up any more of your styling cues before you say, done? Oh, definitely. Okay. Yeah, no, there'll be there'll be more added. I want to get the that frame welded on and the braces down to the lower frame mounts welded on. And then from there, it's going to be a lot of mocking up while it's bare metal, the rear, the rear rack, other placement of, of right. all the belts and seat pans. Before and, you actually tack anything that you would have all of that there. And then you would actually start working on the styling cues. So that way you're happy with, the overall shape, width, length, you don't want to have to cut and weld on. I'm not sure. saying that you're going to need to do that. I know I that you've thought that. through this, but I just didn't know if if that was the intent, was to actually leave it in this. Maybe That's... just a couple tacks, and then that would be it for no, now. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't start welding mounts and everything onto it until I've welded the frame. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the plan is to get even the lower frame mounts ready, get everything ready and do all the weld at once. So once I've set, I mean, that, that goes into both styling cue and ability to reset should I want to. Sure. But even more so, you know, as, as someone who only welds intermittently, mm-hmm. you know, getting the welder set up correctly, once it's working re- well and everything's going right, there would be no reason to shut down and reset a week later when I get the other half done. Yeah. Right. Once I get what that tube, I've got extra tube left over that I can use to practice on and make sure I've got my speed and feed right. Mm-hmm. But between the, you know, between the amperage, speed and feed, uh, once I got that dialed in, I will, yeah, I plan to weld all of that up. And then once it comes to tabs and sheet metal additions and things like that, I'll put that on after the fact. Mm-hmm. But to your point, it wouldn't be a bad idea to at least mock up a, you know, cardboard plan or, you know, make sure I, I like the, the yeah, you have your seat pan, you have your kind of, I know you have some details on the rear of the bike that are kind of floating in your mind as far as what you want that to look like and the functionality of it, especially, and just making sure that it all ties in. I just curious, I I know that you're, you're a very detail oriented uh, builder and that you're thinking through these things. And that's why I'm just trying to bring that out because uh, well, that was, for you, was, it's just like how you operate. That's your MO. But I think other people don't really recognize to that point, who we're talking to. I had yeah. some some friends and fam- uh, basically family, friends and family, but family this weekend talking about it with me. They saw it up on Instagram and I was talking to them and, and they were asking, you know, oh, how are you? How are you going to weld that in? What's the best way? And, and just as kind of a, a tech tip here, well, I, we're going to have basically a tech tip for the next 20 minutes, 40 minutes, but really, um, nonetheless, for a tech tip for welding, that was, that was an important thing that, you know, rather than just doing a weld, I've got, I've got the frame cut and then there's a plug between the frame and the new frame rear member that I've made. So an insert, an insert yeah. basically that inserts onto both, but I've also a half inch into each one drilled an eight or a quarter inch hole i did see that yeah for for a good butt weld there mm-hmm. a plug weld plug, like literally yeah. a plug weld uh, on those spots on on either side so it allows me to both get a nice butt weld around that connection point of the insert and the two tubes but also a plug weld that makes sure that it's held within the internal diameter i guess the internal 
So would you do the plugs first and then your butt? Would you plug and then butt? Plug your butt? Is that where we're going here? Yeah. I don't know if this is a joke or a real question. Uh, it started off as a real question and then I realized where it was going. <laughs> um, That's a good question. I don't know that it would matter because it, it's pretty much, uh, it is a press fit. I had to. I had to rubber mallet the plugs in. Right, right. So they're not going to shift or move as I weld. Well, my so the concern that I'm having as I'm thinking through this is that you're going to have some draw and it's going to try to pull that. um, As you do that butt weld going around it, it's going to be trying to draw the member, the rear member of your frame, around as you go. So I don't know if you plug it first. So now you've held it, and then as you do it, you're not going to have as much movement. Whereas if you were to do your butt first, and then you plugged it, it's really hard not to laugh during this <laughs> conversation. <laughs> okay, I think you see what I'm saying, though. Yep, is uh, that may be a good good tech tip. Plug it. Plug your butt. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna move on. <laughs> Anyway, aside from that, last week we had some uh, somewhat <laughs> heated conversation on RTV. Uh, we got uh, basically a lot of discussion on some failures that both Brad and I had had uh, with regards to two very different components, but it sounds like likely a very similar RTV compound. Yes. We were um, both using blue. Both using blue. Which version of blue is not entirely clear. But... Uh, the question would be, it that. sounds like when you went back into the engine for your truck, yeah. that it wasn't too bad. Is that right? The The RTV was holding pretty good? It wasn't... It had set? It had set, but uh, something didn't seem right. So I don't know if there was any separation or if, as I had uh, cut the plug that it had made for itself... If there was any particles that I didn't get. I'm just thinking through. Maybe there was something else, potentially, that had influenced how well that had set. Or a dirt particle or something along the way that I didn't catch. It was in a nice blind area. I couldn't really see very well. And I kind of had to snake the um, housing cover through some other components to be able to get it mounted. But, uh, But it's still a possibility that the RTV wasn't quite what it needed to be. Something was off. It was in a moisture-rich environment, so and that's how RTV actually um, cures, is that it uses moisture in the air, at least uh, type 2, if I'm not mistaken. You're looking at notes. Not related to RTV. You're good. The right stuff, gasket maker? So that's, that's what you wanted to talk about today. What is this right stuff? Is this your RTV, your new RTV replacement? Are you never going to use RTV again? I don't know. It's kind of, it's about 13 bucks for a squeeze tube as compared to about 10 So it's not a whole lot uh, more, but it is uh, a little bit more expensive. It is something that's also available as a, uh, as a tube for a caulking gun application. If you work in an area or at a shop where you're using it frequently, with a set time of about 90 minutes, which does seem appealing. A lot of the ones that I have used, like this Blue RTV, it says to let us sit for quite a while. So yeah. if you were working on a customer's vehicle, you'd have to actually hold it overnight to ensure that it had set and then fill it with fluids. 
Whereas somebody that's trying to go through customer after customer as many as they can in a day and doesn't have a large parking area to hold on to customer vehicles, they're going to want to be in and out as quickly as possible, at least, and have it set over lunch or while they're working on another vehicle that's in the bay beside them. So, now is this or a motorcycle or whatever it may is be. Is this specifically a gasket material? This is a gasket maker. Okay. I think it was negative 50 degrees Fahrenheit to 500 degrees Fahrenheit, something along those lines. Okay. So let's get into it. Okay. That's my, I'm sure this material will come up again. But what is a gasket? Brad, that's a good question <laughs> for you, my friend. Oh, what is a gasket? So a gasket is something that sits. Don't give me that. Don't give me that. I'll set it over here where you can still hear it. Okay. <laughs> It is a material that um, allows, uh, so you're trying to combine two components, and I'm going to stumble all over this. A gasket takes up the imperfections of two different surfaces that are being mounted okay. together to ensure that uh, there is not a leak path and allow for easy disassembly as opposed to like JB welding or welding things. So you can actually separate case halves and such. Okay, sure. Sure, yeah. I mean, that was kind of the same definition I had come up with is compensates for imperfection between mating surfaces. It's mm-hmm. kind of the point of the gasket. Um, and then provides a seal of gas or liquid through the service life. So right. kind of to your point, things that have a service life. Right. But the point of a gasket, right, is so that you uh, – let me clarify. When you're selecting a gasket, you want to pick the correct gasket material, whether that's Based on a the environment material. that it's dealing with. Yeah, yeah we'll get in. I've got a bunch of considerations oh, that we can get into. You're good. But that you want to, you know, select the right gasket material that will last for the life of that, the service life of that component, right? Because you don't sure. want to, a good example right now is the rear case on, on the Gladiator build, mm-hmm. putting that back together if I chose to go with terrible gasket or gasket with a tear or a missing, you know, no gasket or RTV or whatever I decide, if it's not the right gasket, thickness, whatever it is then I may be having leaks and servicing that instead of every 50,000 miles mm-hmm. in 10,000 miles, right? So that's the point is that it lasts that service uh, that service life. Um, but, yeah, basically as we're tightening down the gasket, right, it, it takes up the imperfections of those two materials. Right. Theoretically, if you Well, and two- even if there's not any imperfections, you still have two parts. And they have to come together. But theoretically, there's no imperfections. And then you have heat, so heat cycling. If they're perfectly flat and mm-hmm. the materials are capable – Within the specifications of that location, right? Heat and really just heat is the one thing that really cycles the the face of those surfaces, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe the fluid will have a small. Well, the whole part itself change. is going to have some change. Maybe I mean, if it's just sitting, it's, if it's a water container that sits indoors, right? It doesn't really. It's not like you're going to have much temperature fluctuation. We're talking about motorcycles. I understand, but I'm just saying gaskets in general. That if the two surfaces are perfectly flat and perfectly non-porous, which Mm -hmm. is not a real thing. I mean, we all know in real life you're never going to make that correct. But if they were theoretically, you could just bolt the two surfaces together. So a gasket fills that gap Mm -hmm. to both make sure you got a better seal as well as to help with the conditional issues. Basically temperature. I mean, right. Internal pressure, maybe, depending on what we're talking about. But temperature and pressure are the two biggies. Um, why would you use a gasket, Brad? Why would I use a gasket? I would use a gasket because I don't want to have to continue to add oil to the motor. Okay. Or sure. coolant. And I want to make sure that uh, the 
service intervals are such that I'm not having to worry about maintaining things regularly. And I there's no way to have two perfectly flat surfaces. And I want to make sure that um, I don't have any issues moving forward. So where would you use a gasket? I guess is a better question for that too. I mean, uh, so that that's what I kind of just to, as we get into the further reasons for gasket and maybe some of the design characteristics and and use characteristics of a gasket. That was my thought. Is first thing we think of is you know engine cases and covers and things that are very much for oil or coolant. Right. right. Those are the two media that will pass through or next to a gasket that I generally think of. But there's, you know, there's gaskets on your electrical boxes to keep water out. Right. Or to keep maybe the electrical current in. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's gaskets on air filter. I mean, your air filter is, has a gasket. Mm-hmm. Right. Whether it's built into the filter itself or whether it's an O-ring or whatever it is, you've got a filter there so that it keeps nothing from getting past the filter. Mm-hmm. Right. So things that just kind of seal air out would be the right idea there. Um, I mean, are there any other way, places? I guess brake fluid. It's an oil, but there's gaskets within a lot of the, whether it's a copper I think it's any time that you're con- concerned about contamination between two liquids or two gases or a liquid and a gas. Sure. I guess it's fair. Right. Just, yeah, thinking where we might use them on the bike. Where would you not, why would you not, or where would you not use a gasket? I think it depends on the type of gasket that uh, we're talking about. Because there's certain instances where you're going to be getting into an area so frequently that the last thing you want to do is use a gasket that you actually have to remove in its entirety and relay it every single time. So you want to use something that is a gasket such that uh, maybe it stays in place on one side or that um, it's uh, of such a material that it doesn't actually stick or get stuck to either of the surfaces um when would i not use a gasket i'm trying to think of any other instances this came up often in in some of the research i was doing and apparently it's it's common and i i could see because i've done this for other reasons that use gasket material for purposes that weren't necessarily gasketed purposes um but a lot of times the two kind of dangerous moments for using gaskets in the wrong form came up was shims and spacers to where people would use gasket material because maybe the gap, the bolt length was too long and to fill that gap with extra gasket. I've seen some really weird stuff with gasket. So that's what I'm saying. We we have to make sure that we're not right, that it won't do that. I mean, one of the, the tips I've got or one of the items I've got coming up later, but we'll talk about now is the thicker the gasket, the higher chance of leak. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if your vehicle, if your bike prescribes a certain thickness of gasket, going more than that to try to get a higher clamp load is not necessarily the right choice. You're either more likely to destroy that gasket or it is more likely to develop creep and actually stop sealing because right. it's too thick. You have more potential for blowout because head gaskets are another one where you've I've seen that there are different thicknesses that you can order. Based on okay. compression or you have non-planar surfaces that you're trying to mount like an intake to or something along those lines where it act, that stack up matters. And maybe you've actually shaved your head beyond its service limit, but you need to maintain the original height. I mean, there's okay. certain instances I think that sure. it comes up, but there is a limit where you don't want to go beyond for that uh, 
threshold. Now, have you ever, I mean, I, I go back, I think about attaching light mounts and things to my Jeep I had, mm-hmm. but I actually used rubber gasket material between bracket and Jeep body just so that when I removed that bracket, it wouldn't damage any paint, kind of using it as a spacer per se. So I have done that, but in non-critical, right? That's not a, that's yeah, not a structurally but, yeah. critical component. That was just more so to keep water out from between them because the rubber material, it was rubber gasket material, kept the water out and kind of an ensured that I wasn't scratching paint. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, the, so it's not necessarily, I guess what I'm, what I'm trying to say is just because you have extra gasket material doesn't, and that's not the right use, doesn't mean you can't use it. Well, if it's going to go bad, but I might as well use it on everything I have. That's true. I didn't use RTV. It was specifically rubber gasket. Cut to shape. The right stuff. No, didn't use that either. Okay. So getting into more technical details. Okay. What are some considerations when we're selecting gaskets? Now, we've already talked about temperature and pressure, which I would say are the two largest. If you look at any gasket material, whether it's tube-based or actually physical, you know, a sheet of gasket material or whatever it is, usually it's TMP are going to be the two things you see. Yeah, chemical, though. That's another huge one. So media, that's a big one. You need to make sure it's media compatible, whether that's air, uh, you know, Oil, coolant, right? Whatever it is that's going to touch it on mm-hmm. either side, right? That may be, you got to think about that, especially with temperature. That's one thing I thought about with temperature that, you know, you, you might want a super high temp gasket for your internal fluid level of whatever you're gasketing. But if it's also open to the air, it needs to not break down and crack in a freezing temperature if it's going to be outside. Right. Within reason. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like you got to think of both sides of that, of that coin, right? Usually you're, separating two surfaces you're sealing two separate surfaces with two separate gas or liquids and so you got to be able to compensate for both right and there's certain materials that will actually affect the ability of let's say it's a rtv some sort of a silicone gasket material there are some chemicals that will actually inhibit that uh, material's ability to cure so you have to be careful as well and you have to actually go through and look at the um MSD or the TDS file uh, information, the technical data sheet for that silicone or gasket to ensure that you're selecting the right one. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, I would say, yeah, aside from temp and, and pressure, that's the next biggest thing is the, the media. One of the things that came up was UV and ozone. Um, yeah, sure. You know, if, you're, if your item is susceptible to the exterior of your bike, which is often the case in most bike surfaces, right? Bikes are pretty basic. Everything's sitting there right in front of you. You don't have a hood over your engine, right? It's just out there in the open in many cases that you want to make sure that being out in the sun, if it's a rubber-based... Yeah, motorcycles, that's a big thing. You've got to have a lot of... uh, You don't want those to crack and and fail Mm -hmm. because they've been sitting in the sun for 10 years. The other thing that I would say, I think that's a really good point that you made, but I think another one that I would suggest is whether it's sensor-safe. It's something that's going to actually affect the um, uh, electrical components that if you're trying to do, let's say, a, a thermocouple of some sort for temperature or pressure or anything else that it's not something that's actually going to throw off those readings based on how that sensor operates so yeah the next one i had written down was was emi and rfi i'm glad so that we're thinking very uh, yeah similarly something here. that's uh, i don't like it that's uh, yeah. well it doesn't often <laughs> happen but we're talking technical so we're telling you real stuff okay right usually yeah, except you have a cheat sheet and i'm going off the top of my head forth, just saying okay for this situation we're you know, I, we want to give good information out here. Yeah. But yeah, I agree. You know, there's a lot of gaskets that 
seal in electrical components, mm-hmm. whether that's into a fluid or whether that's in air. Mm-hmm. And you got to make sure that you're not going to destroy that or that that component and the voltage it's emitting, whether, because sometimes ozone, an electrical component, ozone in like a, a, uh, you know, if you've got a, a box that contains all of your connection points, you know, ozone will actually emit from internally there. So if your gasket isn't ozone compatible, you'll actually end up failing that water seal from okay. the internal ozone created mm-hmm. by just those signals reacting with the air inside of the box. So, yeah, both from an ozone and an EMI RFI situation, I, I agree. I didn't really – there's a couple of weird right reasons that aren't really bike-related, right? You can get some food handling gaskets and things like that that have extra – you know, considerations you need to worry about, but I don't think that's anything. Uh, maybe, maybe you've got a, a water container on the back of your bike. You need to worry about that, but that's a good point because there's, uh, there's a lot of, uh, areas where, um, what we design forklifts are being utilized in, uh, in some sort of a manufacturing or food assembly plant. And so you actually have to worry about using, um, food grade hydraulic fluids and other things. So I don't know if gaskets come up. I think that that's an interesting one. I'm not sure how much that one matters, but I could see that being important if I'm going to eat off of my valve covers, maybe. I yeah. Don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you know, for, for sealing potable water and things like that, there are weird, you know, gasket requirements you need to think of. For the bike, you know, I don't know that that's anything that, that would really come so up. So if you but. change your wiper fluid reservoir over to a water bottle that yes. then squirts into your mouth through your helmet or something, yes. then you should be worried uh-huh. about this. That's a good you point. Should, yeah. I appreciate that. Well, I just want to make sure everybody's aware. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. How about how about materials? What uh, what gasket materials have you used? Oh, well, whether it be some sort of fiber or paper uh, material, okay. or you're going to have others where they're compos- uh, compositions, and I don't even know maybe what all of those compositions may be, but you're not going to use a paper filter on a head gasket that is actually semi-metallic and is uh, it's got, you know, there's a lot of different compositions. I guess I could go into the details of what a head gasket is or has in it, but... so. Yeah. There, there are certain ones where you actually have rings around your cylinder walls such that you're not going to have high pressure affecting uh, the gasket itself. It's got that seal right at that point, and then you're going to have some semi-metallic fiber material that is then spread throughout the entire rest of it. So um, you have a good uh, formable, so something that can semi-compress in the process of torquing down your head or something like that. Well, that's interesting. When I, when I was looking up a lot of the materials, I got two very different results okay from different manufacturers of gaskets right i was kind of going over crash course and design and, and just trying to understand what goes into the design and selection of gaskets and i got you know a lot of them were just that the materials themselves right elastomers plastics oh, cork yeah. rubbers and cork and yeah, rubber sure. mix I those, yeah, rubber yeah fiber came up felt sponge foam gaskets oh, yeah. right yeah you look at, i mean that's basically what your air filter is a foam no, absolutely yeah thank you um but you look at all that stuff but then it also got into the types of gasket when i you know gasket material got into the design of gaskets so you have jacketed gaskets yeah okay that would be which what is I was basically describing. yeah you've yeah. got a in their single jacket where it's yeah a soft filter so kind of your your paper 
your fibrous me- metallic filter with a metal covering in certain faces. Yeah. So a single, you know, single jacket is common mm-hmm. on head gaskets and whatnot. You can also get double jackets that are basically two fully coated metal jackets that have mm-hmm. different profiles. So it's basically two sheets of sheet metal mm-hmm. with different weird ceiling surfaces on either side. Yeah. Um, obviously these are getting more expensive as we go down, but there's, you know, there's a corrugated jacketed, a French style, which is a kind of a mix of the three. Yeah. End up with rubber sections, metal sections, fibrous metal. Se- yeah. Anyway, they get, they get crazy, right? Based on your needs, mm-hmm. you can get into very expensive, um, gasket types. Then you get your solids, right? That are just that. Mm-hmm. Basically just a solid piece of material. Uh, spiral wound, which is uh, a metal and then usually a softer plastic or rubber in kind of a winding shape throughout it. Yeah. So you end up with uh, kind of thicker surfaces and then metallic surfaces. And then cam profile, which I didn't know much about, but it's kind of a, a corrugated metal that has basically it's impregnated with plastics or rubbers. Yeah. So it's kind of a it, it's very apparently it's it's great for super heavy clamp loads. Yeah, it's interesting. It doesn't tear or break because everything gives, including the metal. So, mm. some interesting, you know, basically your gasket can be as complicated or as simple as the manufacturer of your bike has selected, right? And you look at, you know, Hondas and Yamahas are usually paper, you know, you're looking at fiber gaskets, some metal gaskets here and there. You've always got your exhaust gaskets that are just super thick fiber gaskets, different things like that. But, you know, the, the Triumph had very strange you know, rubber, metal, hybrid gaskets all over the place, which when they needed replaced were very expensive, right? $50, $60 gaskets for your valve cover. Yeah, and it, some of that depends on how much uh, vibration that part's going to have as well. There's a lot that goes into that, and there's yeah. a reason why those composites are made of so many weird things because you have to deal with all those environmental conditions that we first started talking about as well as your clamp load that it's going through as well. So it has to have all of that taken into account. And so they become quite complex. And I've been very surprised looking at modern vehicles. And I know I'm kind of derailing from the motorcycle, but it's it's the same story. But uh, looking at the Xterra versus my 74 Ford pickup, those are two one two uh, two vehicles that I've been working on more frequently lately, and you I've really come across. I know, I know. I'm sorry, <laughs> but I've been coming across gaskets that really surprised me, right? Because collector gaskets on the Ford, or it's a donut. It's the same thing. It's a donut on my Xterra, but one is like a. Uh, I pulled a copper brass. I guess it was more of a brass uh, donut out of that that was just a round donut that was really thin that actually compresses into the shape that it needs to be. Whereas on the Ford, it's definitely uh, two chamfered edges around that donut. So it's completely different technology as well as like the exhaust manifold um, gasket for the exterior, the original that I took off was five or three to five actual sheets of really thin metal that were compressed together as opposed to what I replaced it with as a Felpro gasket that was the normal exhaust manifold um, material that's kind of that semi-metallic that actually compresses into everything. So just interesting that I'm agreeing how things have changed over time and how uh, technology has been better or worse. I'm not sure, but... I mean, it's also important that you look at that and I guess getting into your, your different gaskets on, on the XR from five pieces to 
you know, five pieces of thin metal that were compressed to, to what you bought with the Felpro kit. But, you know, it's important to make sure or at least understand that the material of your gasket has to be softer than the material of the cases or whatever you're using, right? That if you are trying to compress a gasket with an aluminum case and you've got, you know, stainless steel gaskets, it will not fill those voids. It will not work. Sure. Right. So, you know, going into that, that could be part of the reason maybe the Felpro is a little more reliable for less miles because Mm -hmm. it fills the gaps better. I don't know. I don't mean to scare you with that, but, you know, whatever the reason for that change is, mm. right, it, it may be better as you've taken it off and replaced it, there's more voids or there's more inconsistencies on it, and that Felpro fills that better, but may not last quite as long. That's true. Right, That's theoretically. That's fair. Um, but there's a lot that goes into those designs, and I guess what I wanted to kind of talk about here for the, the second half of Gasket Talk is any issues you've seen. Or any, uh, that was strange. The wheelers. I think we're haunted here. Return to us. But, uh, any issues that you've seen with gaskets? Have you ever had any, any horror stories? Other than this most recent one with RTV that maybe wasn't setting correctly. I think other than that, it's when a, when you're not paying attention to what the gasket looks like and, and you assume that a new gasket is ready to go and there's and it's perfect and so if that gasket has been bent or if in the process of installing that gasket you uh let's say you're trying to do a head gasket and you accidentally tap it offset to one side so you actually crush the gasket prematurely in some area or that metal ring that's a jacket for a cylinder is crushed for some reason and you didn't inspect that gasket before you install it and then put everything together that gasket has been compromised and is no longer going to huh. uh, function correctly. So always make sure if you if you break a gasket, stop. The gasket gets messed up. Go down and spend the ten bucks or twenty bucks, whatever it is. Don't mess with it. Don't just assume that oh it's probably going to be okay. Yeah, that's because the last thing you want to do is tear it apart again. Whether it's on a motorcycle, a car, uh, boat, whatever, it doesn't matter. That's fair. You know, and I know some of the. Yeah, I guess it's not necessarily horror stories there, but it's more so uh, a concern with with the insulation and, and difficulties there. That yeah, I think that's the common things I've seen are gaskets that are not symmetrical but pretty darn close. Sure, I've seen that where you know wh- which way does it you know you when you open a gasket, yeah, even when I was, it's doing in a bag, yeah, right, yeah. or it's on a piece of yeah. cardboard, and it doesn't necessarily match the fit up on the vehicle. You don't have the studs or the the original piece to kind of set it next to it's usually in the vehicle it's on the bike right the engine is sitting there and so getting it just right in the right spot takes a little bit of work so i, th- I think that's i guess similar thing that i'd like to say is is the time taking your time with the gasket is worth its weight in gold mm-hmm. um you know some of the biggest gasket i don't know as a as an user as the operator putting in that gasket some of the biggest things you can do to do it right are, are clamp load and surface finish related. Yeah, surface prep is the most critical thing for yes. a gasketed surface. If you don't take the time to get it clean, then the new gasket is not going to function as it's supposed to. And if you didn't even try to clean that surface, you're definitely going to have some leaks and you're going to have some problems. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. It's not a matter of in five thousand miles. It's not something that you just put together to get 
get it sold. It's not going to work like that. You got to actually take the time and clean the surface and be careful while you're cleaning the surface because you don't want to introduce imperfections into that mating surface as well. So if it's aluminum and trying to scrape it with something, you got to be really careful. Yep. So that's what I was getting at. The clamp load uniformly tightening that gasket is going to be worth its weight and its time and its effort to do so. Yeah. Weight as in time weight. Okay. It's worth the weight. It's worth the effort to do that and take that time. But as well, the surface finish that, you know, just because the surface is a flat surface, if there's imperfections or old gasket material mm-hmm. or yeah, through it and cleaning it, gouging it or scra- scratching it, those can cause issues later on. Or anything that may be left on the surface that you use to clean it. If it's not something that sure. air dries, you know, you just got to make, you got to make sure that that surface is clean. And, and it's pretty wild how important that is. And some people would suggest that it needs to be absolutely spotless, nothing on it. And, well, and I think that you should try to get to that point. You just don't want to have any oil or my, any other My caveat to that would be to definitely have your user's manual handy. Have the, the owner's manual for your bike ready because there are certain gaskets that actually require a bead of oil. Yes, oil oil filter filter gaskets one, right. The valve cover gaskets on the Triumph wanted you to run a bead of oil with your finger around them. And and that's fair. I guess I'm assuming before you even get to that point, you're ready to do the gasket, but the materials, the materials are complete and you're ready to do something now. Sure. You want to start clean and then you either introduce what it tells you to introduce or or not. And then to your point, and you stated I'm out of order, and the reason why I started talking about the material or the actual cleanliness of the mating surfaces is because that's step one. You want that to be clean. The torque load and the torque sequence and how you tighten down those fasteners is probably the second most critical because you can actually warp the surfaces or you introduce issues with the gasketed material if you don't go through some sort of a sequence. And and so... The service manual is a great point. You need to have that in front of you. You need to have an understanding of what the design intent was for those parts so that way you can ensure that you're putting it together correctly because there's some things, like even my exhaust manifolds on my um, Xterra, I wouldn't have assumed the torque sequence that they recommend for disassembly as well as reassembly. So this is going back even further. When you're taking it apart, that could be quite critical. Even the... Even the uh, rocker covers on the Xterra have a sequence to remove them, and I was kind of surprised. But it's understandable, right? Just the same as heads. Heads, most people understand that there's a sequence for that. Sure. But, but yeah, that's that's really important to understand how you're going to actually clamp those two parts together while using a good tool. Correct. So So. now now you need that torque wrench, right? And so... The question is, do you have a good torque wrench, and then have you gone through the process of calibrating yours? Uh, you're asking me that question? I am. I'm asking you that question. I don't have a high-end torque wrench. I have a Harbor Freight torque wrench, and I have seen enough people calibrate them that they are close enough. Okay. Okay. Um, and I would even wager you don't need a good, quote-unquote, torque wrench. Well, there's a reason why they give you a range. Yep. Right. The intent isn't that... It doesn't matter because it does, but they've actually given you a torque that your torque wrench can be off a little bit in either way. So when you're setting your torque, what do you do? Do you set it at the low, the high? I set it in the middle. I set it in the middle too, and I think most people do. But that gives you that plus or minus range of um, inaccuracy for an uncalibrated torque wrench. I mean, yeah, to that point, I mean, the surface finish or the cleanliness or how you've prepped it and and both removed it, you know, comes into play because, yeah, the 
I mean, and the torque that we're talking well, even about. Even the fasteners. We didn't even talk about the fasteners. So we haven't gotten there yet. Oh, we haven't? But we're talking about torquing that, it. Right. Thicker gaskets. Oh, okay. There's a specific gasket thickness that you, that's required. And if you're just buying the factory replacement part, you're not going to have a problem there. When right. you're playing the game of aftermarket, you got to make sure that it matches. Mm-hmm. It's worth holding those two gaskets, the old and the new, and understanding that the old one probably has creep and is too thin. Mm-hmm. So if it's the same thickness, it's not thick enough. Right. But right? That's fair. That's a good point. Um, yeah. But understanding that the thicker the gasket actually often needs to be retorqued mm-hmm. due to creep. Um, and then the thinner gaskets, although they have a lower leak rate, if your surface finish factory requires a thicker gasket, it's not going to work because you're actually not going to be able to close all those imperfections with it. Um but, uh, yeah, getting into the, the bolts, that was kind of the next thing I wanted to talk about, was as you're going through the bolt itself, why is it important to have the right bolt? The right bolt is I know a great you know bolt. Answer. Huh? I know you know the answer, so that's why I'm asking. I, I guess I don't know exactly where you want to go with it other than that the right bolt has a lot of, there's a lot that goes into what the right bolt is. You have... What's the point of the bolt? The bolt is... T- there to hold the clamp load. What does that mean? Clamp load means that you need to hold down the two parts together with a, and you're going to be torquing that down and that torque relates to an actual surface load on the area of the head of the head of the bolt as well as the two mating surfaces and you don't want to have any movement of those parts or separation of those parts with heat cycling and such. So you don't want your bolt to be at its point of yielding plastically. Otherwise, you're not going to have a good clamp load. It's actually going to break or fall apart, right? So, yeah. Well, I mean, you're saying you want to keep it in the elastic yield. Yes. And by elastic, I, I mean, the easiest way to think of it is a spring, right? That yeah. you've got. That's fair. You've yeah. got a bolt sitting in there, and it's basically like a spring. On your exhaust on a dirt bike, right? You'll you'll connect that exhaust with the spring that always keeps it at the right tension to hold it together. Mm-hmm. And so that's what your bolts, I would say bolts, because most of these gasket surfaces are going to have more than one bolt. Yeah. But your collection of bolts are a number of springs that are basically springing and pulling that that's together. Fair. That's at all a times. good point. Yeah, I like that. Um, I like that. But yeah, to your point, you mentioned the right grade of bolt and things like that. Uh, a couple of little tips that just things that I know I think of inherently, but don't really ever verbalize if I'm working, but things that, that are important to consider when, when looking at bolts, or let's say you've got an older bike and you need to replace these bolts yep. and you don't know what it was. It's important to consider that the higher grade of bolt is actually less susceptible to creep. So a higher grade has much less elastic deformation um, zone. So if, as long as you're torquing it to the correct value, you are less likely to come loose because it isn't creeping as much. So mm-hmm. it is always at a higher spring load. But once you hit plastic deformation on that higher grade, you're more likely to break quicker. So it's an important, you know, thing to understand there. But more threads on your bolt are actually less likely to creep. Well, all of these things are probably being driven by what was in there. So very important that you know what came out. Sure. Or that you're actually taking the time to check instead of forcing a bolt into a hole. Sure. Right. Yeah. When we start talking sure about right, thread yeah. pitch and everything else and diameter, all of that matters, whether it's SAE or metric, you need to, you need to be paying attention to what it is, sure. especially if you're going to go and replace it. So do your due diligence. Yes. You need to have the same size bolt, the same you know, thread pitch, the same, all of the And there are certain instances where you need to even be worried about the surface finish and how that's prepped 
and how it's it, whether it's nickel plated or not, whether that's going to be sufficient sure. for that. Maybe an anodized work for where your where that bolt is going to be, but you don't want to introduce additional rusting or galling if you're using stainless steel randomly because you thought that would be a good idea. That you have to understand what that material actually is that's going to result point. in. That the yeah, dissimilar materials can cause its own nightmares later. So if you're pulling right. out, right, you got a steel case. You don't want to be throwing an aluminum bolt in there. Right. Um, you know, you want to make sure that you're or using low carbon materials. steel with a stainless steel bolt. You're going to be introducing some additional rusting potential yep. as well. Yeah. Those just by sheer fact of touching can cause issues. You don't even have to add water in many of those cases. Right. And you'll have those rust issues. So yeah, making sure you're using the right material is important as well. Um, which kind of gets me into the last items that we've touched on a lot of these, mm-hmm. but I just wrote down and then I'll okay, ask yeah, you what yours ahead. are, what my gasketing tips. And I know that well. You've we've mentioned a lot of these already between okay, the two okay, of us. Okay. But some of the tips that I've wrote, I wrote down were checking the mating surfaces for old gasket materials, chips. Basically, keep an eye on the mating surfaces. Okay, yeah. Check that surface finish. I like that. Look at it. If it looks dirty, give it another wipe. Yeah. Right. Check it with your finger. Make sure that it's not something that can be removed or fixed or resolved, or maybe even just filed down a little bit. Right. If you've chipped it too bad, that now you've got. A big piece popping into your spot, you cannot have that. It will in rare circumstances destroy. that's important. I agree. It's not something that you immediately go with a file at but or, saying, or with sandpaper. Check that surface. If there's certain circumstances where you would. Okay, I just just yep. thought I'd throw that disclaimer out there. I don't want people yeah, to assume yeah. that you go out there and just file it if there's something that you, you may or may not want to do that. Yes, you generally don't. If want there is to a do ridge and it's that. sticking up, then that's a problem, right? Yep. If you've caused something, then you need to make sure that it's taken care of. Okay. Right. You don't want to leave a big gouge. You will have problems. Right. You can gasket that. It will likely fail sooner than the previous gasket. Yeah. If you've introduced a new ridge or a scratch all the way through it. Um, another one is we've talked about it, but not necessarily said it explicitly is tightening, tightening uniformly. Okay. That we are. And to me, that means two different things that you go little by little through mm-hmm. the pattern prescribed. Right. And the general pattern so do it in two is different steps. kind of a circular. A circular pattern, right? Where you, I mean, if anybody's done lug nuts, you can look it up. That's the big one. Most quickest people with lug think nuts. Of, yeah. You can look it up, but kind of do a star pattern. Or you start in one corner, go to the opposite bolt. Go to the opposite corner, or go to the one corner, and one of the other corners not done, opposite bolt. Kind of continue that sequence through the number of bolts that go. Mm-hmm. Don't start in one place and go all the way around clockwise or counterclockwise. As you'll end up with an inconsistent clamp load. I have seen some where it's start in the center and you work your way out depending sure. on the shape of the object. So that's yep. where knowing your having your service manual and being able to reference that is critical. There are also, I mean, again, this is a podcast, so we can't show you what we're talking about. My this hand motions aren't helping. Intention, well, I'm just saying, what we're intending to do is kind of bring awareness that if you don't know, yep. if you're working on your first bike, you're tearing it apart, you bought, you got an old CB750, you don't know how to do this. You can look it up, and even if it's not in the book, the owner's manual or the the shop manual for that book, you can look up in a similar bolt pattern that you're looking at on that case or on that piece and see the generic rule, because that's what Honda, Yamaha, Harley, they're all going to follow the normal rules. There are general rules to these things, but we're just kind of reiterating that these are tips that if you don't know what you should be doing, you should be able to find either the right answer from the manufacturer or the general rule. If there's not a specific answer, the general rule is what you want to go with. Same with torque. Mm-hmm. I mean, I look at the the gladiator, or for that matter, the chicken wing. All of those, all of the torques on, not all of, most of the torques on M8, M6 on these bolts are just a generic M6, M8 torque load. Mm-hmm. Right? They're not picking specific torques to those 
surfaces. Now, it's an older bike. The newer bikes are a lot more specific to what their needs are. Older bikes, they followed the general rule very closely. Okay. So if you understand these rules, you can get pretty far. Uh, and then the last thing I meant, or not the last thing, another thing I mentioned was using torque tools. That mm-hmm. we kind of have mentioned that a couple of times now, but the torque load is there for a reason. Mm-hmm. Hand tight, good and tight, that works sometimes. But if you're, especially in a gasketed location, tightening that gasket down, too much torque can tear, ruin, or rip the gasket. Yeah. Not enough won't create the right seal. You actually need yeah. to be pretty much right where they tell you to be. Yeah. And then there's some instances where it's torque to angle. And in those situations, occasionally, for my Nissan Xterra, as an example, it also states a foot pound just in case you don't have a torque to angle. But something to keep in mind, that's nothing new. And they make some pretty simple uh, torque to angle adapters in essence. And then you can just use a breaker bar and it will identify where it is as you're doing it. So for I think that was 14 bucks at Napa if I was needing to buy that. So just sure. something for those of you that uh, may come across that. It was something that I hadn't dealt with a lot in the past. And so relatively new, uh, but it's pretty simple. I say this is my process for... Um, if I'm going to do any gasketed material, any work, go ahead. You're wanting to stop me. No, I'm not necessarily. I was just to say a couple more things that I thought of at the end of these general rules. You're good. Was one thing that I do, and I don't really think about, but this came to mind thinking about this topic is rechecking all the bolts. So you've done your star pattern. Yeah. You've gone through and torqued to the sequence yep, required. And then you do it again. And I will go through and double check that they all click where they should on my click type torque wrench. Yes. Right? I will run, rerun through every single one. I know a lot of people don't. Once they've torqued have, all 15 bolts or whatever it is, they've all clicked I'm not once, perfect, they're man. good. I'm not perfect. And there's been times where I've come across to, oh, crap, that sure. one didn't get got. Or whatever it is. I'm just That's saying. Fair. Yeah. That, that it, comes up or you find that... After you've gone through the cycle it's once, the that load. you've got one bolt that you're like, or two bolts that just didn't, yep, just needed just reason. a little bit more. And I found that multiple times working on the heads yep. uh, this weekend. So, so yeah, you gotta kind of. I like to go normal. through, and then something I don't do as often as I should is anything with a gasket does have some creep and initial deformation. You should go 12 to 24 hours later and recheck all that. That's fair. You should really go through, especially on thicker gaskets. I would say you. It's a necessity on thicker gaskets. If you don't want it to leak prior to the service interval, mm-hmm. on a thicker gasket, you have to go through and redo well, it. Well, and there's some instances, uh, such as the heads on the Xterra. I know I'm referencing that just because it's fresh in my mind. I've been going through this, right? you got to get a bike. I know. I'm sorry. So, as I'm <laughs> – it's the part of the 14-step uh, process of knowing who you are and why you're even working on that rig, it has you actually torque loosen entirely. Torque. Interesting. Loose. And it's a multi-step torque, then loosen. And then torque a little bit more, multi-step, loosen. Okay. So I just thought that was interesting because it's kind of doing the same thing other than instead of going all the way and then going back and checking, you're actually doing it in the process, yeah. which you're, I just thought was interesting. It on purpose. And then when you're done, you should be pretty much done. Right. So yeah, I don't know if they're worried about it. Bolts? Uh, I didn't ever find that okay. it was, but that's why I'm replacing the yeah. bolts. Is I just don't are. want to mess with it. Unfortunately, it also meant that I'm spending an additional $100 on this project because yeah. one set of head bolts was $45. Shouldn't have to do it again for a long time. It'll be all right. Yeah, hopefully. So that, that gets into my last point that I actually didn't write down, but okay. as we've been talking, I thought of mm-hmm. that gaskets can be cheap. They can be expensive. 
but it's always more expensive to not do it right. Yeah. So you mentioned it earlier that if you have a tear, if you have a, a crease, if you have an imperfection that you're not so sure about because you did something wrong, mm-hmm. just replace it then while you're in there. Yeah. Don't chance yeah. it and then, you know, six months later have to pull the engine again to redo it. It's yeah. just not worth the heartache of redoing everything later. That, yeah, that you know, four to twenty. I mean, some gaskets are expensive. That hundred dollars now, it. right? You could just go ahead and use them. Yeah, and then who knows if you know a, a year from now you got to just replace those bolts now because your head gaskets are leaking. Yeah, right. Or just spend the hundred dollars now and do it right, and then you don't you know it's done right. You don't have yeah. to worry about it. That service interval still holds. Mm-hmm. You use the right parts. You use fresh parts. You don't really have to worry about that failure, that early failure, because maybe that gasket was good enough. Maybe those bolts were still okay. Yeah. Right, just get a new one, get a fresh one. For the most part, gaskets are relatively inexpensive. For the most part, yeah, there's some. There are expensive gaskets. The Triumph was the king of expensive gaskets, even on normal service parts, which is one of the things that drove me nuts. On that was a fifty dollars gasket. Technically, every valve check. Granted, I made it last a little longer. I waited till it seeped. Don't replace it if it ain't you know broken. Kind of a thing. But it did cause yeah, me to I don't replace know. I think it one too many you, times. I know. I, you, I see exactly what you were trying to do. You save save a little bit of money, but those kind of situations can also bite you. So you have to understand where yep. that part is, and are and you willing to it stop? It wasn't a permanently bathed in oil location. Right, either. because as I'm looking at mine, there's lots of them that say replace every time disassembled, yep. right, in the service manual. Pay attention to that. Just do it. And yep. I was going to give a list, just a heads up, of all the different things that I would suggest. And it was, in essence, going to be a walkthrough beginning to end. But I think that we've already done that. I don't think there's any point. I've been able to update it, you know, provide my input on what you've stated. I think you did. I think it was a good uh, a good walkthrough of what somebody should be paying attention I to. I just know, yeah, you're working on something that requires gaskets. It's not a motorcycle, so no one cares. But I know. You know, on the old... <laughs> <laughs> Well, I gotta do the same thing on the KLR. I'm gonna have to do all the, it's all exactly. torn apart. I gotta clean up all It'll the gasketed the surfaces anyway. On the Gladiator builds, uh, you know, on the engine here, I'm getting gaskets in and I'm starting to replace these parts. And, and it's something that a lot of these rules aren't necessarily explicit because the bike's old enough that mm-hmm. either the documentation's gone or it was just follow the general rules. And in doing that, I think these are things I grew up with. I was fortunate that, you know, my dad got me involved early. Yep. I helped with a lot of this stuff. So I, I understand it. But, you know, I, I think there's a lot of people that maybe don't have that. And until we have a garage, we can invite everybody over and help teach this stuff and really do this as kind of a community service situation. Yeah. Where, we're, you know, this is our outlet that maybe, maybe this helps, right? You're working yeah. on an old bike. This is your first build. You're listening to the podcast and, and you can get a little bit something from it. Even those that are veterans, maybe you learn something. If you got any tips that we didn't get, let us know. Yeah. Um, we'd love to know everybody kind of has their own technique. So, yeah, if you do something different, if you've got, a, you know, a specific tech tip here for us on, on doing it, both, you know, Brad and I would love to hear it yeah. as well. We'd love to share that uh, with anyone. So, you know, f- find us on Facebook, find us through slackermoto yeah. at gmail.com. Yep. We'd love to take credit for it. Thank you. We, uh, we won't, no, we won't take credit. We'll give credit oh. where credit's due. Okay. No, that's but, fair. Yeah. But, you know, if you've got, if you've got knowledge, we don't. <laughs> The sharing of knowledge is what builds this community. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, and we and we very well could have missed something. I'm sure that I'm, I'm sure going to leave did. this and I'm going to go, why didn't I mention this? This is super important, right? But, yeah, there's uh, definitely things that, that, yeah, that everyone out there listening knows more than we do. So They do. You know, feel free to share it on Facebook. You can take your own credit on the, the Slacker Motor Radio Facebook page. Absolutely. But, uh, you know, otherwise, 
visit us there. Let us know what you think. Give us your feedback, anything that's going on. We want to make that more of a community for everyone that's uh, that's listening to kind mm-hmm. of talk back and forth, set up rides, whatever you're doing. Um, appreciate everybody that's joined us. A lot of new uh, new listeners throughout the U.S. Yes, uh, as well as worldwide. A little bit there. Canada had a lot of new listeners. Oh, good. Illinois is really big. Um, we appreciate everybody that's listening and, and sharing with your friends. Please continue to do that. Rate and review on iTunes wherever you get this. Stitcher. Check out Patreon. Check out our Patreon page for. I know we mention it, and it, and it feels cheap, and it's not really our style. But for just a dollar a month. You can really help us out to keep the lights on for the podcast. We'd appreciate the support that you're willing to give. Mm-hmm. Um, if nothing more, just leave us a comment on Patreon and 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 say hello. Can uh, they do that without becoming? They a can. Yep. No, there's there's tons of things that are just up for everyone, and then there's okay. a lot of things that by subscribing you can you can uh, see all the extras in there. Wow, maybe I should become a friend. But uh, yeah, you definitely should. Uh, we're still working on that. Okay. <laughs> but otherwise, we appreciate everybody listening. We appreciate. Uh, Appreciate it all, guys. Enjoy the motorcycle community. Enjoy your bikes. Uh, enjoy the weather while it's still good. There's still days that are showing up, at least for us here in the Northwest, that aren't so bad. So uh, while, you got, while you got the time, get out and ride. Yeah. Till next time, ride on. Mm-hmm.